Welcome to Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. We're your hosts, Tim and Ruth Olson, licensed marriage and family therapists and trauma experts. We provide wisdom for personal growth and healthy relationships. Stick with us and you'll gain practical tools and insights that will help you be a healthier and happier you. Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today what we're going to be discussing is a little more specifics about how to help with your motivation. So last time we talked a little bit more in theory about motivation and the different theories that go behind helping you stay motivated, helping you accomplish those goals that you have set. But today what we're going to give you is 15 different ideas that you can use that can really help you work towards setting up and achieving your goals. So the first one is to set specific and meaningful goals and then to write them down. So your goals need to be specific and measurable But they also need to be important and meaningful to you, which is what we talked about in one of the theories last time, that if the reward or the outcome isn't important to you, you're not going to really have the motivation to do it. So the goals need to be specific, meaningful, and you need to write them down. There's lots of research about this, that if you write down goals, you're more likely to achieve them than if you just kind of think about them, have them in your mind. We were just talking about our family goals that we sit down at the beginning of the year and we talk about what are our goals for our family. And unless we have them up and visible, it's easy to forget them. And especially if I haven't written them down, then if I were just to sit here with Tim and think about, okay, what were our goals last year? The likelihood of remembering all of our goals for Tim and I, but also for our kids and what they said is very unlikely. So it's important to write them down, but also to have them visible. Yeah, I think just off of the top of my head, I think I remember hearing the statistic that if you write your goals down, you're 80% more likely to accomplish them. And so for such a simple task to receive such a gigantic boost in the likelihood that you accomplish them is definitely well worth the effort. So for number two is prioritizing your goals. So what you want to do is you want to have an idea of what are the things that I really want to accomplish? What is the most important for me to accomplish? I think a lot of times people get bogged down and when there's something that's important to them, they will find some other activity to do instead because it's easier. But the problem is, even though that activity is easier, it steals and takes away your energy from doing the thing that's really important to you. And so then you're less likely to do it. But when you set this priority scale, then what happens is when you're looking at your day, you're like, oh, I need to make sure that I do this at this point in time. Those things that are higher on your priority scale, those are the things that should be earlier in your schedule for your day to make sure that you accomplish that. Now, not always can you have the things that are higher in your priority scale early in your schedule, but that would definitely be a helpful and a wise thing to do is trying as much as you can to slot that in as early as you possibly can. So Tim and I have the great eight, and those are the things that are most important to us and the goals that every week we want to make sure that we get done because those are the things that are most important to us and that when we do them, we can see the benefits of it. Number three is to just get started. In the last episode, we were talking about how we're doing these cold plunges, and I was just telling Tim today that after I'm in it for about a minute, it's a lot easier to continue for the rest of the time. It really is just getting in the water that's the hardest. And it's the same for anything. Once you start something, it's easier to continue. Last time he talked about setting a timer for five minutes and just do it for five minutes. And the likelihood is that you're probably going to continue whatever it is that you need to get done for a little longer or till you complete the task, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But it's just a step of starting. Just start. And I think a lot of times people can get really caught up in wanting to make sure that 
they have it set up right or they do it exactly right the first time. But a part of it is you start and you work and you learn along the way once you just start that activity and then you can progress. But a lot of times people try to plan something and they want it to go swimmingly the first time that they do it. But then with almost everything, there's this learning curve that you experience that you can't really know how to do it right or what you might be doing wrong until you just jump in and start doing the thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't try to plan things, but sometimes people waste way too much time planning and not nearly enough time getting started. So with just getting started, right, when I first thought about doing these cold plunges, I literally was just getting into a bathtub with just, you know, water from the tap. It wasn't as cold as it probably needed to be, but I just started doing that. And then I was looking at buying a cold plunge, but then I was in my basement and I saw this large storage container that we had. And so then I just put that outside on our back porch and I filled it up with hose water. And fortunately, we live in a place where it's kind of cold right now. So <laughs> the water got very cold without me having to put ice in it or anything like that. And so we just got started going. Is it the exact right way? No. But did it get better as we started doing it? Yes, absolutely. Number four is set a deadline. Now, Setting a deadline is really important because if you just have the goal in mind and you don't have a date that you want to have that thing accomplished by, a lot of times what happens is because these goals are uncomfortable for us, we will just start pushing them out farther and farther and farther and farther. And we will fill our day with different things that are not a part of our goals or our priorities, or we won't spend as much time on it as we would if we didn't have a set timeline that we wanted to get it done by. Because a part of it, too, is you have a little bit of a time crunch that you're under because if you take too long to see any type of results, you'll lose motivation and then you'll end up giving up. So if you set this timeline and it's a relatively short order when you're going to get that thing done, then it helps keep your motivation higher because you're seeing the results. But if you extend it out over too long of a time, it becomes too painstaking and then you may end up dropping out from that goal. Number five is to start small. And this can just be actionable steps that you will take right away, right? It goes back to number three, just get started. But in order to do that, sometimes it's easier on ourselves to just start small. If I want to eat healthier, instead of getting rid of everything and doing everything right, maybe I'm just going to add in drinking more water or I'm going to add more greens to my plate, right? Just one thing at a time where I'm just adding on one thing. And I'm not going full on out that I get burnt out so quickly and I get paralyzed in that and I do nothing. So part of this is being able to break it down. So looking at your end goal and then working backwards to what does that mean monthly? What does that mean weekly? And then what does that mean daily for you? And then going back to number one, making sure that they're measurable, right? So, so if someone's goal is to lose 50 pounds or 100 pounds, then what does that look like in one month? And so backing that up, to what is my daily practical measurable things that I need to be doing. And that could be maybe trying to do 10,000 steps or drinking half of my body weight in ounces of water or closing the kitchen after eight. But having something specific where you know this is specifically where I'm going to start at. I'm just going to start with drinking all of my water. I'm not going to start at cooking all my meals from scratch, cutting out all the things I just make sure it's something that I can just get started, do right away. We're not looking at perfection. We're looking at these small changes. I think also with starting small and setting a deadline and not losing motivation, there is a little bit of a balance that you have to strike between these two, where if you're starting so infinitesimally small that you're not seeing any benefit, then you're going to lose hope. But if you swing too hard for the fences 
and you set these impossible standards for yourself, you're also going to give up. So as with most things in life, moderation is a very big key towards working towards achieving your goals. And part of the idea of starting small is to get these small wins, right? I can drink four of my cups of water in a day and then to feel like, oh man, that was a win. And then being able to do it the next day and the next day. But it's to get these small wins, which then help to motivate you and encourage you to then take the next step. What's the next step that I have to do to achieve my bigger goal? And then number six is get off the failure cycle. So as we talked about in the last podcast, the more you fail, the more your mind believes you're going to fail. So then the less motivation you're going to have to try something new. So this kind of goes along with starting small or doing something small. You want to make it something bite-sized enough where it's like, I can achieve this goal. But if you have this big long-term goal, that might be a multi-year goal. You have to also walk it back. What are my medium goals along with that long-term goal? And then what are my short-term goals along with that goal? So that When you have those short-term goals, you can see these little successes along the way that kind of feed your motivation to keep pressing forward, even when it gets difficult because you're like, oh, I got this little reward because, hey, look, I was able to accomplish this thing. And it could be something even as small as checklists. I love checklists because when I come up to a checklist and I've completed an item and I can cross that off, That gives me a sense of accomplishment and a positive feeling, even though it's such a small thing, but it is something that is different to me than just, hey, here's all we need to get done, and it's just spoken, and then I get those things done. It doesn't feel as good when I accomplish that when there's not something that I get to strike off of my list that I got it done. So for you, when you're working at getting off this failure cycle, trying to do as many little things as you can to identify, okay, I've taken this step, I've taken that step towards my end goal, because that helps feed your positive emotional cycle, which then starts creating this new narrative in your mind. I can be successful. Look, I am now being successful. I have succeeded at this, that, and the other thing, and I've moved so much closer to my goal now. And I think part of that is when you do fail, to get back on it right away. It's so easy to say, ah, I'm going to start this again on Monday. I'm going to wait to the new year, but why not just start it now to do it now? For a long time, I had these post-it notes posted all around just saying, do it now, get it done, start now, jump in. Because for me, I just needed to start right away because I really was in that cycle of failing and then waiting till Monday, failing and then I'll start it next week rather than failing and then being able to see the very next opportunity, I'm going to do it then. And changing that failure cycle that you're on. Because time passes so quickly that you're going to look back and in a month, you're going to think, oh man, if I just started this a month earlier or in a year, you're going to look back and say, oh man, look how far ahead I would have been if I kept at it. Number seven is to surround yourself with winners. And I know that people hear this all the time, but it's so true that you will become like the people around you. And so this could be physically, right, surrounding yourself physically with people around you and the people you're hanging out with. But it can also be in the realm of learning, which we'll talk about later, but surrounding yourself with people who are ahead of you and people who think differently than you or who have succeeded in areas that you want to succeed in. And this could be in listening to different podcasts, in reading different books, in taking seminars, in investing in yourself in different trainings or masterminds. And really surrounding yourself, not necessarily just physically with the people around you, but even in just what you have around you. 
So the really interesting thing about being around different people is that your thoughts and belief systems really get affected by them. So research shows that the people that you're spending the most time with, they can affect your physical health, your mental health, your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids. It can even affect your finances. So the people that you're constantly around, they're slowly instilling their belief systems in you. And this is why I think parents naturally are very concerned about who their kids hang out with because they're worried that they're going to instill negative belief systems in their kids if they're around unhealthy people or negative patterns of behavior. And as adults, we kind of think, oh, I'm, I'm above that. That's not going to affect me. So I can hang out with people who don't have similar belief systems or, or similar goals to me, and I will be fine. But in reality, that's not the truth. The people that you're hanging out with are going to affect you. If you're hanging out with people who are talking trash all over their partner all the time, you're more likely to talk bad about your partner. But if you're around somebody who's very uplifting, talking about their spouse and how much they care about them and how wonderful they are, you are more likely to do that type of an activity. If you're around people who are always living paycheck to paycheck, super unhappy with their financial situation, you're more likely to live that way. But if you're around people who are entrepreneurs, who are working really hard to better themselves and to increase their financial independence and things like that, you also will be more likely to do that. So if you have this goal, it is very important to try to surround yourself around different people who are working towards that same goal or who have already succeeded in that same goal. So number eight is remember your why. So what is my reason for doing this? Why is this important to me? Am I just doing it to do it? Or is there some end goal that is pressing me on to do this? So when things get tough, stopping and thinking, okay, what will my life likely look like when I accomplish? Now, remember, when we were talking about the theories in the last podcast, it doesn't even matter what the actual end result is, but your belief system and what the end result is that will help spur you on towards that motivation towards doing the thing. So stopping and thinking, what could this end up resulting for me and if the why is big enough, it will keep you doing these very difficult tasks. So I'm going to combine number nine and ten. Number nine is establishing a daily routine. And number ten is to get up earlier and go to bed earlier. So for number nine, establishing a daily routine, I follow a podcast that I love. And if you get a chance to listen to her, if you're looking for systems and organization and all of that, I love Chelsea Joe. She does Systemize Your Life podcast. And she's phenomenal at setting up systems and helping you to organize your life. So she does a five block system or morning block where you have no kids in that block. Then the AM block, your work block, your PM block, and then your nighttime block. And this block system has been so helpful to me in getting things done rather than having time frames. Going into number 10, that morning block in order to get up earlier you need to go to bed earlier. So it's kind of that same idea of working backwards, right? If I want to wake up at this time, working backwards, how many hours of sleep do I need? And then what time does that mean I have to go to bed? And I have to be honest, this is something that I am working on. And I'm going to do better with this. That's my goal is to do better with just keeping to this and going to bed earlier. Number 11 is be a lifelong learner. And so this is something that you want to do is you want to constantly be trying to challenge and expand your mind on things. And the more you learn, the more successful you can be in multiple areas. So a lot of times knowledge is transferable to other categories, where if you're just learning along one line of information, your understanding of the world gets skewed. 
but if you're learning multiple different things, it can assist you with understanding more the area you're specifically interested in and then have more input into this. So an example of this would be we're both therapists, we studied psychology, but a lot of different things can negatively impact people's mental health or sense of mental health. So one of them is, right, what is your thought life? How are you thinking? Another one is biologically, like what is going on with chemicals in your body? But another thing is brain damage. So if you have traumatic brain injury, right, you go to a therapist and you're trying to behave better, get your emotions and anger under control, but it's not just because you're having negative thoughts or a negative circumstance in your life. It's because you had a TBI, right? Therapy is not really going to assist with that. But me having an understanding of that allows me to better assist my clients where I say, hey, listen, this is something you should look into. You had a major head injury. You got in a horrible car wreck. This could be affecting your mental health. You need to go to your doctor and get a brain scan. Or maybe your hormones are off and imbalanced. Maybe the reason you're angry all the time isn't your life circumstances, but something's off with your hormones. You have low testosterone or something like that, and that's negatively affecting your mood. But a lot of times, if you're only focusing on studying one area, you get these blinders on and you don't see these other things that are important and could be affecting you. So a part of it is trying to be this lifelong learner, but also trying to be a consumer of just general knowledge from everywhere. Number 12 is to welcome challenges. And I think this is very much a mindset thing where if you expect everything to go perfectly all the time, then when difficulties or challenges arise, you have a really hard time adjusting to that. So this is just having the mindset that I'm going to welcome challenges, that I know things are hard. And we talk about this with our kids when we do family workouts, that if your mindset is, oh, I hate this, I don't want to do this, then it's going to be harder for you. But if you have the mindset of, I know that this is good for my body, I know this is hard, but we do hard things and we're going to welcome this challenge, then it's a lot easier and the workouts go so much easier for them. Number 13 is tracking your progress. Now I always tell people there's three important factors you need to look at when managing your progress. You don't want to just look at where you are compared to where you want to be, but you also have to have this third factor that you look at is where were you? Where did you start out? Where are you now compared to where you want to be? And when you're assessing your progress, you want to keep looking at that because if you only look at where you are compared to where you want to be, you're constantly just seeing, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But if you're also looking at where you started, you're like, oh man, okay, I'm definitely getting further away from where I started. I can see that progress that I have there. So being able to get a more full picture of your progress is very important because that helps you stay motivated. Number 14 is an accountability group or partner. Now, this is helpful because if you're just left to your own devices, a lot of times you will give yourself a little bit too much grace, where you will allow yourself to just keep pushing the deadline, pushing the deadline, pushing the deadline, versus when you have an accountability partner and they're like, okay, why aren't you accomplishing these goals? Well, you know, I sat there and I scrolled on TikTok for 45 minutes, or I was posting something on Facebook for an hour and a half, or I decided to take a nap instead where you're giving yourself those allowance, but then your accountability partner won't. They'll be like, well, you got to cut that out. You got to, you know, take your phone, put it somewhere. You got to get rid of these other activities that you're doing and you need to start focusing more on this and they'll help hold your feet a little bit better to the flame. Whereas if you just leave it all up to yourself, you won't. So for us, one of the things is we've started releasing these podcasts on Tuesdays and Thursdays, even though we haven't necessarily asked our audience to be our accountability partners, they kind of are. 
because we've set this up, we've been doing this standard. And so now we feel like, okay, we need to make sure we maintain that as best that we possibly can, because this is what people are expecting now. And number 15, the final one is progress, not perfection. And this is something that's so important because like Tim was saying earlier, when we were talking about just getting started, this is something that can paralyze people where if things aren't set up right or they're not perfect, then I'm not even going to start it. And I think this is something that I struggled with for years. I definitely am a lot better now in this idea of perfectionism, but I could see how when he was talking about that, I was like, oh, that's such a gut punch to me because it would stop me from doing things, even simple things. Whereas if I didn't have everything planned out, I couldn't even get started. And then I did nothing. I would look back and be like, man, if I had just started three months ago or a month ago, I could have been this further along. And it's in anything. So for example, I've wanted this Cricut, which is a cutting machine, right? So when you see all the different signs or the different writing or the shirts, those are all done on Cricuts a lot of times. I wanted this for years and I finally just got it. And in the past, what I would do is I would wait until I learned everything. Like Tim said in number 11, to be a learner, I would watch videos or I would read, but I wouldn't do anything until I knew I could do it perfect or until I knew that I had all the knowledge on it, which is so impossible. But now I got it and I'm so excited and I'm just going to jump in. I'm just going to figure things out and go with it. And I think a lot of times that did paralyze me and it stopped me from getting things done or it made the things that I got done take so much longer. And I could even see that in college when I would do papers. Papers would take me so much longer, but I wanted it to be perfect. But there's not a big difference between someone who gets an A and their paper isn't perfect, but they still got an A, whereas me working so hard to do all these things and taking several hours extra, and I still got the same grade as someone else. Now, I will say, in your defense, though, you did get an award for having the highest GPA (laughs) in our master's class, and that is not something that I got. Now, I didn't struggle with the perfectionism. I probably had a lot less anxiety going through it. But just like she was saying... There is something that's called diminishing returns where you can continue to put extra amounts of effort in, but then get less and less reward. It's still a little bit better, a little bit better, but at a certain point you're putting in 80% more effort, but you're only getting 1% more benefit from it. And at a certain point, it's like, okay, now this is not really worth the amount of effort compared to the amount of benefit that I'm getting. And so a part of this is trying to figure out that balance. So like I said earlier, as with all things finding that balance is very important. Yeah, because it's probably in college where I realized that. And I recognized that my perfectionism really was hindering me because I wasn't able to go out and do all the things other people were, or I would pull all-nighters and I would really suffer. But it was in college where I really recognized and I had this mantra or this statement that would help me that I strive for excellence, not perfection. Because yeah, it's this idea of progress, not perfection. I still want to be excellent in what I do, but it helps me to recognize that perfection is not realistic and it's not even something that I want anymore, but I do want to be excellent. And so this idea of excellence, not perfection or progress, not perfection is so helpful and useful in being able to get things done. All right, guys, we hope that this episode finds you just before the New Year's and you can really get a head start on getting your goals set up beforehand. And don't wait for January 1st to start this. Get started on it now. Or if this episode finds you in February or March, don't wait for next year to get started on your goals. Just write your list and get going on them right now because nothing is more motivating than progress. And if you keep putting it off, 
it's going to steal more and more of your motivation. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Mr. and Mrs. Therapy. If you enjoyed this podcast or found it helpful, we'd love for you to take some time and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have a question or a topic you'd like discussed in future episodes, visit our Facebook group, Mr. and Mrs. Therapy Podcast, and let us know. Disclaimer, although we are mental health providers, this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide diagnosis or treatment. Please seek professional help if you're struggling with persistent mental health issues, chronic marital issues, or call the National Suicide Hotline at 988 if you are contemplating suicide.